Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And I'm Jennifer Wilson. And thank you for joining us this week as we bring one year to a close and look forward to a new one. JJ, it's hard to believe that the year 2015 is fast upon us. Unbelievable, yes. So much has happened in the last year. You've had many changes in your life. <laughs> yes. You I've took moved, a new job. Yes, moved my entire family. From one state to another, mm-hmm. no small thing. Recovered from an injury. <laughs> Lots of things have unfolded in my world, too, and now we're looking at a new year. And as we look forward, we always have to stop and remember that it's like a, a page upon which nobody has written, mm-hmm. like a snowfield where no one has walked across it yet. It's just pristine. What will happen? We will write things on our pages, and other people who we cannot control will write on our pages. Events and circumstances will all populate the narrative in this next year as we start the new year. And as we look backward over the one that's closed, what can we do to actually celebrate what has been and be hopeful about what will be? What can we do that helps us reflect appropriately on where we've been and also look forward appropriately to where we might go? If there was one thing that we might do to seal the end of the year and welcome a new one, what do you think it might be? You know, Jim, for me, one of the most meaningful ways that I, at the same time, look back and look forward is by taking Holy Communion. You know what, JJ, I think that is so appropriate. And today on this program, let's talk about that. Not just about what it can mean for us, but how we can experience it ourselves now. We here at Viewpoint are always glad to hear from you. And as 2014 comes to a close and 2015 dawns, please reach out. Give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. If you just want to call to say hi, or if you'd like us to pray with you, or if you have a question about something you hear, we're always glad to hear from you. Or on your computer or your smartphone, you can find us at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Radio Ministry and all the ministries of the Church of God, and send us an email. We will reply. Or if you prefer at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. JJ, you just suggested that as we celebrate the new year, and of course that always requires us to close out the chapter on the last one, that for you, a very meaningful journey is to receive the elements of what we call Holy Communion, sometimes called the Lord's Supper or the Mm -hmm. Last Supper. That's a great idea. And of course, the idea of the Last Supper, the bread and the cup, springs straight out of the Scripture. It springs straight out of the life of Jesus himself. And the story of that Last Supper, that Holy Communion first instituted by Jesus himself, is told in three of the four Gospels, in Matthew and in Mark and Luke. And we also have it referenced in the later letters of the New Testament. And in the first letter of the Corinthian church that the Apostle Paul writes, he gives a very personal and very direct explanation of how the first century believers 20 centuries ago were gathering together after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended to the Father, believers who were in a world just like you and me, where Jesus is not physically present, but he is spiritually so, and how they were observing communion. And let's read those verses. J.J., if you'll pick up your Bible at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul speaking under, we believe, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. 
On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, verse 25 continues, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. It's an elegant passage, and it gives us this very beautiful expression of faith and this very beautiful gift of God to us. I first have to observe as I think about Holy Communion the way in which Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived. Mm -hmm, Because great truths he captured in things we can do. You know, you always cement an idea when you can connect it to some activity. So the redemption of a soul, the rebirth of a life, the born-again experience is captured in Jesus' teaching of baptism. It's unforgettable. The concept of someone being immersed in water, dead and buried, as the Scripture tells us, and then raised to new life. I mean, it's very, very demonstrable in the action of baptism. Baptism represents to us that truth. In a similar way, the great truth of kingdom life, of serving one another, is captured in foot washing. He knelt down and washed the dirty feet of his disciples, and he said, now I want you to do the same. As we're going forward, I'm teaching you. He's illustrating for them that we must all be humble servants, and boy, I don't know about you, JJ, but in a year when I have a chance to wash someone's feet in a service of worship in my local church, it's a powerful reminder about servitude. It's a, it's a teaching tool, a sacred one of Jesus. But if those are teaching tools of Jesus, how much more so this bread and cup, mm. this way in which Jesus communicates to us in the most unforgettable way the primary truth of the gospel, his death and sacrifice for us. When you say that you look forward to communion, you see that as a powerful way to greet the new year. What does it mean to you? Well, when I take the bread first, I remember, because he tells us to remember, I remember the gift of his body um, on the cross and that brokenness of his life for my life. And so it's, it's really substitutionary. It's a big word, but I'm thankful that his body died in my place. And when I take the cup, to me, it, it is representative of the blood, but it's the covenant blood. It's that, it's that promise-keeping blood that says, I'm coming back. <laughs> and so I find myself, when I take the bread and the cup, really looking back and being thankful and looking forward and being hopeful. And I think that captures so much of the power of communion. And as you said, when you see the bread broken, Mm -hmm. it really does represent to us the reality of the broken flesh of Jesus. This story of the cross is not some kind of mythological legend. It's about a real person in real time who suffered unspeakable agony in his body. Why? Because he loved us. Because he deserved to die? No, but because we deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have, have stumbled and fallen. All of us have done things for which we should rightly be ashamed. And yet he stood in our place and he suffered for us. And when you hold that bread in your hand, it just reminds us of the tangible nature of our Lord's suffering. And your concept about the blood being 
a covering for the future is really powerful too because even as Paul discloses that the blood is a blood of a new covenant. It's about a new relationship between God and his creation, between heaven and earth, between God and those created in his image. And that blood is the signature of that. It is that promise. It's also a covering for me. I think about the cup as a kind of being covered in the blood of Jesus. It's, it's an odd sensation, but it's like a clothing. I'm covered by the blood, and that means that the devil can't have me, that the world can't have me. I am covered by this supreme and, and singular, sacred blood of Jesus, shed at a cost because of God's love for me and for you and for all who will receive it. These experiences, these truths captured in communion have such great power to cement for us because they are also a witness, as Paul describes. Sometimes we see it as something that is about our remembering, and it is about our remembering, but there is that piece, we bear witness. Yes. JJ, who do you think sees you take communion? Well, I know that because I take communion in community, the other believers around me see me ingest the bread, drink the cup. And so we know that we are together. We are unified together. I also believe that there's a spiritual realm of unseen with my human eye creatures that see my allegiance and to whom I have devoted myself and will uh, entrust myself for the year to come. And that host of witnesses, as you say, the community of believers here and now who are in your company physically, they're a witness to the intention of your heart Mm -hmm. and the decision of your heart to be the Lord's own. But also in the unseen realm, there are witnesses. And I think heaven rejoices whenever we bear witness to our fidelity to Jesus in the receiving of the bread and cup. But hell also must be frustrated, Mm -hmm. but they're witnesses too. And it's Mm -hmm. no small thing to bear witness to the intention of our heart because there's something that solidifies and cements our own journey and our own testimony when we bear witness in a public way. And Jim, in my particular case, I have a young son who does not yet partake in communion, and he sees me. And so those who have yet to believe see this action, this, this meal happen, and they wonder. And, and in my case of my four-year-old, they desire to be a part. And that witness is so powerful, especially to the people that we love Mm -hmm. and who value us. No matter what their position or age may be, the indelible impression of our receiving of the elements lasts a lifetime. I remember the first day that my older son got to take communion, and it was at an Easter time, Monday, Thursday um, service, and he was just giddy with excitement. And he's the one that passed the elements around the table. And he's the one who later that week on Easter morning turns to me in the service and goes, do we get to take communion today? And I said, yes. And he was just like, yay, clenched fists, big grin. And as he's holding the elements waiting to partake, he's just fidgety, can't sit still because he's so excited to celebrate in this way. And that speaks to the power of our Lord's teaching and presence and your witness. When we come back, JJ, let's talk about ways in which we can actually then access communion. How do we find communion this New Year's in a way that can speak to our days ahead 
even as we let go of the year just ending. There are all kinds of ways in which you can celebrate the new year and New Year's Eve. Many traditions and families, some people have parties in their houses, sometimes people go out to restaurants, sometimes people have motion picture events, sometimes people do nothing. There are all kinds of ways you can signal that the calendar page is turned. We're today on Viewpoint talking about celebrating the new year by receiving Holy Communion, the elements of our Lord's life and death, the the sacred emblems of his sacrifice for us, and the promise of his coming again. J.J. and I have been talking about how meaningful it can be, but J.J., what do you think about this New Year's weekend? How can I receive communion? If someone's listening today, what should they do if they're thinking, yes, I hadn't thought of that as a New Year's tradition, but how can I make it one? For a good portion of my adult life, as both a single person and as a married person, I have chosen to spend New Year's Eve in the company of other Christians. doesn't mean that there aren't unbelievers around loving my neighbor, but at that stroke of midnight, we maybe have watched the ball drop, clock strikes 12, we say Happy New Year. We all have gathered in another space, either at the church or in a home, and sat down together. And sometimes we have a conversation ahead of time where we kind of walk through a hope for the new year. But then we will take the biblical passage, much like what we read from 1 Corinthians today, um, and read the words of institution about the bread and the cup. And then we pass a loaf and we pass a cup. And often it's by intinction where you just either take the bread and dip it in the cup or you eat the bread and you all drink from a common cup. But we share communion right then within the hour of the new year. And J.J., you've just disclosed something very important that I think is confusing to many persons who may be listening today, and that is communion does not always require that someone who's been licensed or ordained as a clergy person to be present, to administer the bread and the cup. Believers are empowered, we think, to actually share the elements together. You've described a community of friends and family gathering around together. You can do this in your own home. You can do this with friends in other places, but know that communion is accessible to you even outside of a conventional church routine. That said, there are many, many churches that serve communion on New Year's Eve. There are many gatherings of believers and houses of worship that you can go to, even as a visitor, and receive these sacred emblems of our Lord's life and death. And I call them that repeatedly because they are that. They are sacred and they are emblematic but they are very powerful reminders to us as we set the stage for that piece of paper that no one's written on yet about who we are, whose we are, and who holds the future of who we are. And receiving the bread and the cup is that testimony, that witness, that seal. This New Year's, we hope that you'll think about communion as the signature of your New Year's holiday celebration. It is one of those moments where you can set the stage right. Communion needs to be reserved for those who have made a decision that Jesus is Lord. We do not want to encourage anyone to receive the bread and the cup unless you yourself have experienced the life-changing power of the Spirit of Christ by confessing your sin to him and allowing him to forgive you and make you new. The scripture reminds us that we don't want to take the cup unworthily. That means without having been cleansed by the blood and made right with God through our faith in Christ. And so we want to encourage everyone present 
to first make that decision as the new year dawns, that you are the Lord's, to confess your sin to him, to admit your need of him, and to surrender your life and the new year to him. But that being done, celebrate the new year by receiving the bread and the cup. As you prepare to do so, pray with us now. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the year just ending. As we look back on it, there are many things that we wish we might undo. There have been events and losses that everyone has suffered at some point or another, some the consequence of other people's wrongdoing, some the consequence of our own folly, some the consequence of events over which we have no control. But as we look back over the year, we also know there's much to celebrate, life-giving moments, and we thank you, Lord, that you've brought us this far. And as we look at the new year, we thank you for all that will yet be. For the good and the bad, we know surrendered into your hand that you will turn for the good. And we thank you as this new year dawns that we can once more celebrate, yes, celebrate Holy Communion, that we can receive the bread and the cup, bear witness to our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we can remember him in the most extraordinary way. Lord, as we prepare to receive communion, we admit, Lord, that we are not of ourselves worthy to do so, but we ask that you will cleanse us and make us whole, that we might be fit to receive the bread and the cup. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer, and we thank you for the new year dawning, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can give your life to Jesus, if you'd like to know more about how you can face the new year with hope, if you'd like to know more about Holy Communion and the part it can play as you welcome the new year, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We are ready to hear your voice. You can also find us on the internet at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Ministry. Send us an email and we will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, please, let us hear from you this week. JJ, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Jim. May the Lord bless you and your house. And we pray the same for all of you who have joined us by listening today. Thanks for coming alongside. We hope that you'll be with us again next week as we begin a new year. And as always, we here at Viewpoint hope to help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Happy New Year, and stay tuned.